that's, that's my little, those are my two little invitations. All right, could we stand together? We are in a series called Core Values. We've done Come As You Are. We did Connect With God last week, and this week is Connect With People. These four core values are on the back of your bulletin as well. Here we go. Connect with people. If you have a Bible, Hebrews chapter 10. I actually added a verse to what you've got listed in the bulletin. Verse 23. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day, that's the day of Christ's return, approaching. Could we pray together? Lord, thank you for your great love for every single person that is here today. Would you hide me behind the cross? Would you help us to see Jesus, hear Jesus, and respond to Jesus? Please, God. And we'll give you all the glory for it. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Connect with people. Three reasons to connect with people. Number one, to stay awake. Number one, to stay awake. Jesus died and rose again so that you and I could have salvation. We are saved not by our goodness, but by his goodness. Not by our work, but by his finished work on the cross. So to come into Christianity is a place of rest. We come and we start with acceptance. But salvation is not, it's not an end. It's a beginning of a relationship with God. What is going on in the whole book of Hebrews is they've fallen asleep spiritual, spiritually and they need to wake up. They need to grab a hold of that hope that, that, that of, of God's salvation. They, 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 have, they have fallen back and, and the encouragement is you need to grab a hold of this. Just because you're saved doesn't need, mean you're spurred or stirred up. And the encouragement here is is to get going again, to get things going, to connect with each other and think of ways to stir each other up. Jesus is returning. We want to be found ready. So uh, a few weeks ago, I got to preach in Phoenix and my my good friend, Tom Alexander, gave me permission I gave him two options. <laughs> One of them was to speak on the end times, and and uh, he doesn't he hasn't spoken there on the end times because for a number of reasons. But I gave him another option. I said, I mean, you're the senior pastor. You decided. He said, No, I want you to come. I want you to speak on on the end times. So I did. Uh, they've got three services that are like our Sunday morning service, and they and then we had a special Sunday night on on putting together the puzzle. But the morning service on Saturday night was called Bridegroom or Thief. Bridegroom or Thief. And my point was, 
No one has control over when Jesus comes back. But God has put it into your hands to decide how he will come for you. He will come to every single person in the human race as either a bridegroom or as a thief. And the, the whole point was we need to be ready for his coming. And, and so they used the, the me coming and that to, to invite people. And we had in the three services, 18 people um, came to Christ. It was, it was really exciting. Um, but there was also a message, a very sobering message for believers. This is from Revelation chapter 3, verses 1 to 3. To the angel of the church in Sardis write, These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what time I will come to you. The reason why this is a very, very sobering message for any believer, but especially for charismatic churches, is I think Sardis was a charismatic church. They had a reputation for being alive. Anybody that knew about this church, oh yeah, that's the, that's the Holy Spirit church. That's where there's a lot of life at that church. And no doubt... They had past experiences of life, of God moving, of God doing things. And no doubt, they had a doctrine that was part of that. They had a doctrine that said, we're alive, we're alive, we're alive. We believe in life. We're, we're for life. We're for the moving of the Spirit. But their reputation led to a presumption that said, because that's our reputation and that's the name that we have on the church and that's the doctrine we have, that it must be true. And they had fallen asleep. They had fallen asleep spiritually. Jesus says, you're about to die. <laughs> you, 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 are, you guys have fallen into complacency because of your presumption and you are about to die. He's coming with great love. Wake up. Wake up! I'm coming again. Wake up. In Matthew chapter 25, we have the five foolish virgins. They presumed that the oil they received at the beginning would be enough. And so they didn't bother to freshen their oil. Guys, Jesus is the Savior, not an event. Yes, it starts somewhere. Yes, oftentimes we have people raise their hands and, and ask Christ. That is a beginning. But, but the salvation is not, I prayed the sinner's prayer, salvation is Jesus. It's a relationship. We, we need to freshen that relationship. We need to walk in that relationship. 
It's all grace. It's grace from beginning to end. He is, he is the one who keeps my lamp burning. But we need to stay awake. We need to hang in there. So when we take a trip out east, which we've done many through the years from when our kids were little and some recently, sometimes we drive through the night. Because anybody that's driven through Chicago knows you don't, you don't want to be in Chicago traffic and, the, and all of that during the day. And so you can really shorten your trip. You leave at like 10 at night and you get through Chicago and it's, it's just an easier, it's an easier journey. But of course, everybody knows that if you're going to drive through the night, uh, that's dangerous. Because if you fall asleep at the wheel, not only do you jeopardize your own life, you jeopardize the life of every single person in that vehicle. And so if you're going to drive through the night, you need to have a strategy. How are we going to stay awake? How's the driver going to stay? Usually I was the driver. How do you keep, how do you keep the driver awake? Well, we had two strategies. One was coffee. Just, just lots of coffee. We'll, we'll, we'll worry about the ill effects later, but you need to stay awake. And the second one was we would have a designated person in the passenger seat. And their job was to keep me awake. Their job was once in a while to say, how are you doing? How are you doing? How are you feeling right now? You okay? You okay? Should we keep going? Do you need a change? Christianity is ordained by God to be a long journey through the night. God has ordained that you have to choose him in darkness. Because you have chosen him in darkness and stayed with him in darkness, we, I don't know if you know this, we live in a time of moral darkness and uh, 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 an intense, many times, rejection of the gospel and the idea of dependence on a savior. God ordained that you choose him in darkness so that... In eternity, when you see him in the light, you will never leave him for all eternity. Even though God doesn't take away free will, free will is very much part of who we are. But it's a long journey through the night. We have missionaries come back here, and I've had more than one talk to me about they come back for furlough, and they're, so they're back here for months at a time. And they're, I've had them tell me, I'm, I'm so glad I don't live in America. <laughs> I'm like, what? And they just said, it's, it's, it's just too comfortable here and too easy here and too busy here. I find it very hard to stay spiritually awake. In our home country, back where, where they're on the mission field, there's so much persecution and, and it's so life is difficult. There's this dependence on God that is automatic and there's this need to seek God and to own God every single day. But he said, in America... You can fall asleep spiritually very, very, very easily. So this is our challenge. I love America. 
I love, I love the comforts of America. I love the freedom of America. I love that we're meeting here today and we're, nobody's worried that we're going to be followed home or that somebody is going to uh, go to jail because we had this meeting today. Isn't that wonderful? Amen. But listen, it says in Mark chapter 4 that people fall asleep when they focus on the cares and the worries and the pleasures of this life. Jesus said, this is what it's going to be like before my coming. People are going to be eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage. They're going to be planting and reaping, buying and selling. And then suddenly I'm going to come. And then it's, it's too late. It's too late to get ready once he's come. You need, we need to live ready for his coming. Pastor Tom, I don't really like this. This is kind of negative. Listen, <laughs> Jesus, whenever Jesus gives a warning, it's because of pure love. He, he, just, he wants to come as a bridegroom to every single one in this place. It turns out that the church, the church, the meetings of the church are God's passenger to keep you awake. The church has an assignment to keep you awake. You, we're in the night. We're, 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 we're pressing through. We go through the care. Everybody's got the cares and worries and difficulties and issues and pleasures and everything happening around. And there's something about meeting together that just wakes us back up. And it's funny, you really don't have to do that much. Just kind of show up and listen and be part of it and the Spirit of God will wake you back up. And the things that are really important become really important again. And the things that, that are, were, I don't know how I got so caught up with, it, everything of the world that was so big, it's just it, it gets smaller in the presence of God. And it's amazing. It's amazing how meeting with Christians wakes us back up. The whole, it's the Holy Spirit's plan to keep us awake. You and I need the body of Christ. When we choose to be the Lone Ranger, we become a sitting duck. <laughs> what does that mean? A sitting duck is a duck on the water. It's way easier to kill a duck that's on the water if you're hunting than a duck in the air. And we become a city. We just become easy, an easy target for the enemy when we're, tr- when we're just doing it ourselves. So God has ordained the church to keep us awake. Isn't he good? Yes. Connect with people. First, to stay awake. Secondly, to give encouragement. Turns out Christianity isn't just about what you receive. It's not just what, what God does for you and, and how people will help you. Christian, a lot of Christianity is about what you have to give. This whole passage in Hebrews is about something you're going to give to other people. To, you need to think about spurring one another on and, and to love and to good deeds and how you can encourage them. And as you see the day approaching, how can you help those around you? So it's been a little dark in Wisconsin because of, of the Packers. 
Packers just aren't, the Packers just haven't been good really for a couple years, and it's been, it's been a little dark. But I don't know if anybody here knows this, but there's a very bright light in Wisconsin sports right now. It's called the Milwaukee Bucks. <laughs> Number one team in the NBA, best record in the whole NBA. Thank you. Lisa said for now. She's guarding her heart. I appreciate that. Um, every, every Wisconsin fan knows how to guard their heart. You use cynicism. Yeah, yeah, they're good now. Anyway, here's why I love watching the Bucks. So they've got this guy. He's called the Greek freak, Giannis Antetokounmpo. You can barely put his name on the back of his journey. His Antetokounmpo goes all the way across his journey. Giannis is 6'11", which is very tall, and he plays guard. He's just, he can dribble. He can, he can do it all. He can, he can drive. He can jam on anybody. But here's why. But that's not why we're the number one team in the NBA. It's not because he can drive on anybody and he can stuff on anybody and that he's such a force. That's not why we're the number one team in the NBA. Here's why we're the number one team. Because when they double and triple team him, Giannis is willing to pass. He, always, he, doesn't, he never forces. He, gets, he comes in, and if they're collapsing on him, he finds this guy here, this guy here, this guy here. He might have a good shot, but somebody else has a great shot. It's called an assist in basketball. And here's the interesting thing about basketball. I realize this about myself. The reason why I like watching basketball is not because of the great shooting, even though there's great shooters now. It's become a three-point game and great shoot. It's not because of the stuffs. It's not because of the athleticism. I love to watch basketball because of the assists. I love it when they are unselfish and they, they set each other up to be great. It is called an assist, and they keep track of it. That, and trust me, in the kingdom, what God keeps track of are assists. <laughs> It's not how great you are. How great can you make someone else? It's not just about your destiny and what you could do. What about somebody else's destiny? How can you help them along? This is the most beautiful thing about Christianity. When we give an assist. Now, here's the thing. It's hard to give assists on Sunday morning. I'm not saying you can't. You can find somebody and encourage them and pray for them. But really, to give and assist, you got to spur one another up to love and good deeds. You need to know them. You need to be part of something smaller than Sunday morning. This is why we've got these 55 groups up here. I know everybody doesn't connect to church in the same way. Some like the small group discussion, sit across from each other, talk about stuff, pray. Some people like more like the class thing. Some people like the, the alpha thing where you do a meal and it's a, it's a longer thing. Find a way to connect to people. Find a way, or rather let God help you find a way to connect. Because... God wants you to have assists. One of, uh, one of my favorite guys in the New Testament is a guy named Joseph the Levite. Joseph the Levite. Now, this is not Joseph of Judah, who is Mary's father, or Mary's husband, who becomes Jesus' um, stepfather. This is a different Joseph, Joseph the Levite. Great guy in the New Testament, isn't he? You guys are like, who are, who are, who are you talking about? 
I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm just scratching my brain right now to find out Joseph the Levite. Who's Joseph the Levite in the New Testament? Well, that's his real name. We find that in Acts chapter 4, verse 26. But that's not the name he went by. Because the disciples, the apostles, started calling him Barnabas. Because Barnabas means son of encouragement. This guy was the master at encouraging others. He was the master at, at, at giving an assist. Now let me tell you one assist that he made that has forever changed your life. Everybody was afraid of Saul because he became converted and, and uh, everybody wasn't sure he had been killing Christians and everybody was afraid of him. And it took Barnabas to find this guy and say he brought him to the apostles. He personally brought him. They trusted Barnabas. They didn't trust Saul who had become, took on the name Paul later on. And so Barnabas said, listen, this is the power of redemption. This guy is the real deal. Talk to him. And he forces a meeting of uh, Paul and Peter, Paul, uh, uh, Paul and all of the apostles. He stays in Peter's home with him. Then the early church is, is going and Barnabas is, is in Antioch and Paul has gone back to his hometown, uh, Tarsus, and... Um, Barnabas thinks about him. We need to get him going in ministry. And so he goes and he contacts him in Tarsus and brings him to Antioch. Antioch joins Barnabas there and and Barnabas is just like his cheerleader. And then the Holy Spirit calls him and he's the first missionary. And of course, when he goes into prison, he writes most of the New Testament. Has anybody been assisted by Paul's letters? Has anybody felt encouraged by Paul's letter? That, that's, that's because of Bar- Barnabas doesn't make his assist. Paul doesn't make his assist to, to you and me. Amazing how this works. One of my heroes of the faith is Pastor Tom Alexander. My first opportunity in this church. I was a, a youth worker. And uh, I was just a blazing fire for God. But I had nowhere to... To, I preached down on the campus, and I was a little out of control. And so I think everybody just kind of, you know, we're not sure what's going to happen with this guy. Well, Tom, Tom convinced the pastoral staff at that time to let me teach an adult Bible class. And it was a four, they, they said, how, how bad can it be? We'll give him four weeks. It's going to be a four-week a four class during the summer. And we're, we're just going to limit the damage. And uh, it, was, it was on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I remember that class, doing it over at the school. And recognizing, oh my, somebody with flesh on was trusting me. And Tom's had that role in my life. He's wherever I have been. He's asked me to come and speak, asked me to do retreats. He has been... Uh, a cheerleader, an encouragement in every way. And he's, a, he's an amazing pastor. This last time I was down there, um, he told me what he's doing in his church. He used to 
have people in his church. If you've got somebody that needs to get saved, you, that's ready, you bring them to me and I will, I will get them saved. And Tom loves to do the bridge illustration. And, and he said, I don't do any of that anymore. He said, I don't even count that a win anymore when I lead somebody to Christ. He said, I've, I've discipled the whole staff and all the staff now does the bridge. They actually have 150 people in their church that are in discipleship. And it's not just the bridge. They've got the, the wheel and the hand and, the, and they are raising. He said, a win for me is not when I lead somebody to Christ, even though he still does that regularly. It's when one of my disciples leads somebody to Christ. When they show the bridge, that's a victory for me. And, uh, and I'm like, okay, we need to do this. And so two Tuesdays from now, our staff, and they're all very excited. I'm going to just personally disciple our staff. And that's going to go, and then they're going to they're gonna disciple and get, get tools into the whole body's hands so that this thing can multiply. And I'm going to redefine what, an, what a win is. I want to make some assists. I've already said this about the next generation. Next generation is going to be greater than us, guys. I believe it. I believe if we can help them, they will stand on our shoulders and go farther than we have ever gone. We don't, younger, young people, we don't want to compete with you. We want you to go farther than us. You are part of us. You are connected to us. And anything we can do to empower you, we want to do it. Connect with people to stay awake. Secondly, to give encouragement. And then finally, to reveal Jesus to the world. John chapter 17, 20 through 23. My prayer is not for them alone. This is Jesus. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. So this is Jesus' promise to you because we believe through their message. We are part of those that believe. Jesus is praying for us. Here's what he's praying. Let's find out what he's praying for us. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me so that the world may be brought to complete unity so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. This is crazy. We expect him to say that Jesus loves, that the Father loves the world the same way that the Father loves each one of us. We know that. We know that that he loves us, but he also loves people that aren't in right now. Don't we know that? But no one saw this coming. Jesus said that Father loves the world the same way he loves Jesus. Can you imagine God's burning heart for this world? 
All right, we have a little exercise we're going to do. Could we stand together? All right, I want to put the words up for what a friend we have in Jesus because I want you to review them. Because I'm not, you're not, you're not going to have a chance to look at the words because I'm going to ask you to do so. So this is what a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear, what a privilege to carry, everything to God in prayer. Okay, go. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Okay, are we good? Are we good with those words? All right, let's get rid of those words because that's just going to be a distraction. Now, I'm going to lead... What a friend we have in Jesus. You're to, but to get to get to stay with me, you're going to have to watch my hand. You're going to have to watch my hand the whole time. Here's why. People have their own opinion of how we should sing What a Friend We Have in Jesus. And some people tend to drag it, just get it going way too slow. And then there are others that try to get it moving because some people are dragging. And I want us, I want us to do it together. So here we go. What a friend we have in Jesus All our sins and griefs to bear What a privilege to carry Everything to God in prayer Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. You guys are great. You can be seated. January 8th, I don't know what time it was, five in the morning, four in the morning, right before I wake up, I have this dream, and I'm leading the congregation a cappella, and what a friend we have in Jesus, and I, and I say in the dream, don't drag and don't rush, follow me, keep your eyes on me, I wake up, and it was, it was just a very profound experience. Here's what I felt like the Lord was saying. He's the director. He's the director. And if we all follow him, if we all follow him, the church makes a very clear sound to the world that they have a friend in Jesus. That the, the gospel, when, when we're all following his lead, that we are making one beautiful sound that is compelling to the world of who he is and his great love for them. But when people get their eyes off of Jesus... And decide, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sing it my way. And somebody else is going to sing it their way and try to correct the way they're doing it. And all of a sudden, the whole song becomes very, very muddled. And the message to the world is very unclear.
clear, it kind of sounds like chaos, actually. We get our instructions from Jesus. But Jesus has a place for us in the whole body of Christ. Pride says, 1 Corinthians 12, the eye can't say to the ear, I don't need you. I'm I'm good to go. I don't need you. An insecurity where the foot says to the hand, I have, uh, um, I'm not part of the body because I'm not a hand. I'm not important because I don't play a significant, as significant of a role in his opinion as the hand. Come on, foot, get with it. Nobody's going to shake hands if you don't take them to the person. But it's interesting how insecurity can get in and we can become disconnected from the body of Christ. If you take your cues from yourself, your own opinion is going to put you out of sync with the body of Christ. If you take cues from the person next to you, whatever mistake they're making, you're going to multiply. Everybody needs to get their eyes off of people and get them on Jesus. Jesus Jesus has a place for you. Jesus has a rhythm for you. And he wants us all to look at him and let him him place us in the body of Christ and take up his song. Now, here's here's the tragedy in the body of Christ. A lot of people have stopped singing because they got hurt by people. They got wounded by people, they got bruised by people, they they got betrayed by people and and so they just they just got shut down and they it's just, it's easy to become the Lone Ranger because Jesus is always good and Jesus, I'm still saved and I still love him, but I just don't really like his people and I don't want to really be with his people. I don't trust his people. And, and so the song that God wants to be rising up for the lost isn't complete without, without you. So here's what happened to me. And I'll close with this. Two weeks before Christmas, a pastor friend called me, and we we are we we are friends, and we're we're in similar situations, so we we can encourage each other. And he tells me what he's preaching, and he asks me my, my advice on a certain verse. And I could tell that he doesn't really like my interpretation of this verse. And I'm giving him cross references, and I'm, and I, I I can just tell it's agitating him a little because it, it, we we like to stir one another up and encourage each other in our messages, but I can, I can tell that this is not how he wants to take the text, and and so I'm giving him verse after verse and verse after verse after verse, and and pretty soon I realize that there's no there's no yes yeah I get it there's no and I'm like bro are you there bro hello hello. Oh, obviously his phone died. So uh, I, or just lost connection. So I call right back and sure enough, it goes right to his voicemail. And, uh, and I, you know, we had already talked for a while. I said, you don't, you don't need to call back. Love you. Merry Christmas. Don't think another thing of it. Week after Christmas, I 
give him a call. And uh, goes to voicemail, which often happens. I don't think a thing of it. Um, it goes to voicemail, and then he calls me back later in the week at his convenience. This is how it usually works. Sometimes he calls me, and I get back to him at my convenience, but he never gets back to me. Hmm. Okay, no big deal. It's busy. Pastors, New Year's starting. Next week, call him again. Same exact thing. Leave a message. You know, get back to me when you can. Whole week goes past, doesn't get back to me. I start rethinking that phone call. I'm like, thank you, Patsy. Maybe, maybe his phone didn't die. Maybe he hung up on me. This is so strange that he's not getting back to me. And so another week goes past, and then I decide, first, I really have an honest evaluation of that conversation. Was I offensive? Was I a jerk? Was I mean in any way? And and there just was nothing that I had done that would have offended him. And so I'm just like, you know what? Maybe he wants to just kind of step back from the relationship. Maybe, maybe this is, he doesn't want to be in contact this often, and I'm just going to let it rest. And so I'm having devotions. This is this last week. And my, one of my devotionals is about when somebody has something against you. Leave, leave your gift at the altar. Go and make it right with him. Then... You're, it will be acceptable to God. The God is so, he's so passionate about us connecting to each other that it's not just if, if, you've, if you've done something wrong, go to them, but, uh, or if they've done something wrong to you to go to them, but if you think that you've done something, that they're holding something against you, then you need to search them out. And so I'm like, really? <laughs> this seems a little over the top, but I'm like, oh, you know, whatever. I, I, I'm already bugging him. Clearly. So I call him and I leave this message. Hey, I know you're really busy. You don't need to call back to me if you're just busy. But if there's some way I have offended you, I just, I'm really sorry. And I really want to make it right. And so I leave that in the morning. And, and later in the morning, I get a call. It's, it's from him. And I'm like, he's like, Pastor Tom, how are you doing? I said, did you hear my voice? He said, no, I didn't hear your voice, man. And I said, well, here's what the voicemail said. He just started laughing. And he said, listen, I went through a really, really dark time, and I just kind of got shut off, and, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm on my way out of it now. And, uh, and so we got to chat together. I got to encourage him, and we prayed together at the end. And when we prayed together at the end, I just I felt the pleasure of God. I realized after I hung up, oh, isn't the devil clever? Isn't he clever? He takes a little seed, a little suspicion, a little, and, and he starts feeding it. And pretty soon, nothing becomes something. And there is this division, and there is this distance, and it's all based on suspicion. Isn't he clever? Guys, I know, I know that 
It's not easy to be part of a church, any church. I know it takes great courage to be part of a church. But first, you need to be part of a church. You need to be part of a smaller group so that somebody can say, how are you doing? How are, you, are you still awake? Are you still awake? Are you still awake? There's a lot at stake, guys. Everyone you influence needs you to stay awake spiritually. We are in a perilous time. Eternal lives are at stake. We need to wake up. Everybody in our, our family is in that car. Our work associates are in that car with us. Uh, people that are far from God, but they, they know us. They, they need us to be awake. We are their hope. If we fall asleep, they'll be convinced the gospel isn't true. So we need to stay away, even, even if we're irritating to them, which we usually are. It's okay. It's okay. You need to stay awake for yourself. You need to stay awake for the unsaved. You need to stay awake for the saved. We need your assists. We need your encouragement. We need you to stir us up, spur us on to more love and good deeds. And finally... Jesus himself is praying that you'll be part of this thing. Jesus himself is saying, listen, the world's going to believe not when you preach to them, but when you actually live it out. When you become one, when you set aside your suspicions and petty differences and really love one another and start singing my song together, the, the love, my friendship for sinners is going to be proclaimed in such a way of beauty that people are going to want to come. All right. So no worship team today. I'll tell you how we're going to close in just a second. Uh, Could we bow our heads for just a moment? This message really has not been a salvation message, but it's very possible that you're here today and you've never really made that connection with Jesus. Jesus loves you. He died on a cross for you. And he is coming again. And he wants to come again as your bridegroom and that we are part of this bride that was, this was God's intent that we would be with him for all eternity together as his people. And maybe you're here today and you don't know if your sins are forgiven. You don't know if you died, you'd go to heaven. You don't know whether you're right with Jesus. He did all the work on the cross. Today it says he's knocking at the door. He says, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. If that's you, Jesus is knocking and you want to open your door today. I've got every head bowed and every eye closed because this is between you and God. I have people raise their hand because I've got a prayer that I pray. Somebody help me open my door. And so I like to pray for people. So if that's you, Jesus is knocking. Would you just raise your hand real high long enough for me to see? I see that hand, that hand, that hand, and that hand, and that hand, and that hand up in the balcony over there. Anybody else by upraised hand? I got you way in the back of the balcony. God bless you. And that's a hand back there as well. God bless you. I'd like everybody that raised their hand to just put your hand on your, on your heart right now. Pray something like this. Lord, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross. 
for me. Thank you for not giving up on me, and you've been pursuing me, and so much so that I know you're knocking here today. Lord, right now, I don't want, I don't want to run anymore. I am here opening my heart to you by faith. Would you come in and save me and wash me and cleanse me and make me your own? Thank you for hearing this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Then could we stand to our feet? So, Pastor Tom, which group do you, would you recommend me to be in? I have no idea. I have no idea. You've got to find that out from Jesus. <laughs> So all we've done as the human part, we've got 55 groups, and we've got this connect group guide. We've got a bunch of them up here too, so you can you could just take one of these and sit down and start going through it and figure out where God might want you. Maybe it's a geographical location close to you. Maybe it's a, a small group that has children. Maybe it's a class you're interested in. I don't know how God is going to connect you. Here's what I know. You need to be connected. And he wants to connect you. And so I'm just asking you to be open. If you hate groups, um, consider being part of like a class. If, if, if groups are awkward, consider doing something different in 2019 than you did in 2018. Get out of the boat. Let it be a little awkward. Um, so here's, here's the response time. We're going to play a CD... And if you're already in a group and you're already excited and you're, you're welcome to, to be dismissed, but if you're not and you're open, I'm going to just invite you to come on down and sign up for one of these. There won't be any worship team. There's no ministry teams. We're, we're, lights will be up. We're just going to try to get connected. So would you pray with me? Lord, you're the director. Our eyes are on you. Lord, I just, I just ask you, Jesus, it's so easy for us to get cut off from one another. Would you knit us together to the Father and also to one another? Help us, God. Help us to get past our hurts. Help us to get past what happened last time I stepped out. Help us to get past our own busy schedule that, that, that tries to put us to sleep. Please, God, have your way, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, bless you.